Good morning. I'm so excited today. We're starting a new series, uh, Journey Through the Gospel of Mark. And so yesterday, some of you may have been here, um, we, we did a simulcast with Priscilla Shire. Yeah. Yeah, she was, she was unbelievable. Um, unfortunately, she stole my message for this morning. So... Back to the drawing board. No, I I just, you know what? This is what I really honestly believe. Um, This is a prophetic message. She brought a prophetic message for the body of Christ. She called it Gethsemane. Today, I'm going to be talking about the wilderness. I'm going to be talking about um, the wilderness experience. Um, as, we, as we start into the Gospel of Mark, um, he talks so much about, um, about just Jesus as a servant. You know, Matthew sets Jesus up as the king and as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Luke really goes into him as the son of man. And John was, you know, one of his best, best friends. And he talks about him as the son of God. But really what Mark shows us is Jesus as a servant and Jesus really as our, as our close friend. And so we're going to be discovering more and more about Jesus through the book of Mark. It's going to be a, a long series, but you know, it does say that the secrets are contained within the gospels, right? Yeah. Jesus said that the deeper things, and isn't that what you want? I mean, by the by virtue of the fact that you're here, I'm assuming you want to go deeper with God and you want to know him more and you want to experience him more. So um, can we just pray before we get into the word? And I do believe this morning God wants to bring breakthrough. And I want to ask you to just open your heart up to whatever it is he wants to speak to you. So, so if, if you don't think it's too Pentecostal, just Put your hands up like this as a sign that you want to receive something from the Lord. Jesus, we come before you. There is none like you. You are the faithful one, Jesus. You are the everlasting God. We want to know you more. Lord, let us have the the heart of Mary that just sits at your feet. We welcome you. We thank you. Lord, I sense your presence here with us. I'm so grateful, Lord. Thank you that you, that you sent your spirit to be with us. In Jesus' name. Ooh, amen. You sense his presence? The Lord is here. Jesus is here. So we're going to start in the book of Mark, starting chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel. Okay, gospel means good news. Okay, this is, a, this is a beginning about the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, this was not only written about Jesus, this was written by him, by his spirit. And keep that in mind as we go through the series. The Holy Spirit is the one who, who gave the writers the inspiration. This was not just people coming up with their own ideas or just telling these stories. It was the Holy Spirit working through them. So as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, so he's hearkening back to the Old Testament, the old prophet or the the, um, ancient prophet Isaiah who said, behold, I send my messenger before your face. And what that means is for your attention to be, you know, when something's, you know, when we talk about, hey, that guy was really in my face. That's what this is. He wants it to be in your face in a good way, right? This message in your face, um, who will prepare the way, the voice of one crying in the what? wilderness. That's, that's going to be our focus today. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming, now get this, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, keep that in mind. That's what John the Baptist came to bring, was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized him by him in the Jordan River. Doing what? Confessing their sins. Okay? Keep that in mind. Now John was clothed with camel hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. 
What he's saying is that the one who is coming after me is so far beyond our comprehension in his greatness that I, this was the most menial. Anything having to do with the feet in the Israelite culture was always demeaning. You know, the lowest guy on the totem pole was the one who did the foot washing and unstrapping. That's what he's talking about. Because remember, in those days, they, they didn't have shoes, essentially. They had like these kind of sandals and a lot of dirt would get on people's feet. And I believe that's symbolic of life, of the things that happen to us in the dirt that attaches itself to our feet. And so then when John is talking about Jesus, he's saying, I'm not even worthy to get down and untie his sandals because he's so great. Now, keep in mind, God has been essentially silent for 400 years. They haven't heard anything from him. And here John is coming out into the where? The wilderness. That's where John went in the wilderness. That was where the voice was crying out. And so he says, I have baptized you with water for the repentance of sins. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit. Okay, y'all, there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can be fully immersed, completely baptized that your the old you can disappear as you feel allow the holy spirit to baptize you and to fill you and if you've never experienced that cry out to god cry out to god because he longs to fill you to baptize you with his holy spirit my pastor got baptized in the holy spirit when he was sitting on the toilet so it can happen anywhere in your car in your bed walking along the road on the toilet wherever in the shower but cry out for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you ever hear someone say as a Christian that the Holy Spirit doesn't still speak to us today, run (laughs) or try to convince them otherwise. (laughs) Love them enough to stand and have. You can make a case for this. You can make a case that there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's the baptism for the repentance of sins that John talks about. But Jesus says, I will baptize you with my Holy Spirit. John says, Jesus will come to do that, to baptize you. Baptismo, which means to completely immerse. I love this in the message. It says, as John preached, he said, well, the real action comes now. The star in this drama, to whom I'm merely a stagehand. I love that analogy. He's saying Jesus is what it's all about. Because people were thinking John was like this. They thought he was something special. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm just a grunt in the kingdom of heaven. He is the star of this show. It says he will change your life. This is in the message now, verses seven and eight. I am baptizing you here in this river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life, but his baptism... A holy baptism by the Holy Spirit will change you from the inside out. Amen? Isn't that what you want? Do you want to be changed from the inside out or do you just want to change the way you behave? Because I don't believe that any of us just want to have to try to change our behavior and cover everything up. That's what religion tells us to do. Religion says, oh, you need to stop doing this. You need to start doing this. You need to do this. That's religion. When the Holy Spirit changes you from the inside out, you will naturally want to do things that honor God and please the Lord, right? You're not going to just do it because you're changing your behavior. No, we need, we need a heart change, right? And that's what Jesus promises. And so um, I loved what Priscilla Shire said last, uh, yesterday. She said, in the Old Testament, they didn't believe in the Father, In the New Testament, they didn't believe in Jesus. But today in the church, we don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that so good? I mean, we, I feel like the pendulum in the body of Christ, you know, there was a, there was a, crazy, crazy charismatic time where people were doing all kinds of weird stuff in the name of God, like barking and clucking like chickens and I don't know, all kinds of weird stuff in the name of God. But the pendulum swung way too far back the other way to now it's, it's all so overly intellectualized. 
I'm sorry, we will never be able to comprehend how great he is. We will never be able to explain God or to try to fit him into this little package by our own brains. He is the infinite, everlasting God, right? He is everlasting. We can't understand all of that. It is, I, I think it is so embarrassing that the body of Christ has gone so far back the other way that we don't believe in miracles anymore. We don't believe in healing anymore. We don't believe that Jesus speaks to us anymore. I actually went to a church and they said, get this, that God only speaks to woo you in. And then after that, he doesn't speak anymore. Only through the Bible. Only through the word of God. Now, absolutely, God speaks through the word of God. But he also speaks through his spirit. And that's why I always talk so much about knowing what his word says. Because Jesus is the word. So if you know what the the Bible says then when you hear a voice, you'll be able to determine, is that the Lord or is that just me? Or is that the devil? You can, you can determine it. I'm going so far off my notes here. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I'm all excited. Okay, in those days, it says, Jesus came from Nazareth. Oh, wait, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna leave that yet. Do you understand what I'm saying about the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? There's so much more. We cannot deny the power of the Holy Spirit who is at work in us. It says that in Ephesians. It says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. What? How awesome is that? The same, yeah, you can, you can raise a hallelujah. Yeah, let's praise God for that. The same spirit that raised, get this. I don't think you're getting this. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. What? I want to raise a hallelujah right now. Don't doubt that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, to comfort you, to lead you, and to guide you into all truth. The the Holy Spirit is here for us to be able to understand and to hear the voice of God. And yes, we hear the voice of God through the Bible. That is the the main way that we hear God's voice. But his spirit speaks to his kids. Can you imagine having a relationship with someone, but you never talk? You're like, oh yeah, we're like this. (laughs) You know, the Lord wants to talk with us. Relationship means there's communication. And that's how he communicates through his word by his spirit. Now I'll move on. Okay, verse nine, it says, in those days, Jesus came from um, Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, what was I saying about John's baptism? What was it a baptism for? Forgiveness of sins. So Jesus was baptized? Why would Jesus need to be baptized? for the forgiveness of sins, because he never sinned. So why do you think it is that Jesus was baptized? You ever thought about that? We're just like, oh yeah, and Jesus was baptized. Wait, this was a baptism of of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Why would Jesus need that? The perfect one who never sinned. It's because he was setting the example for us. He was humbling himself Even though he didn't need to be forgiven, he did not have any sin on his account. But he humbled himself and became a servant. And that's why he was baptized by John. Um, It says, and when Jesus came up out of the water, immediately, that's one of Mark's favorite words. He loves the word immediately. Mark is is a, a, like, just the facts, ma'am, kind of a guy. He's a very factual, just... This is the shortest of all the four Gospels. The Gospels are the, f- the first four books in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Mark, so Mark is the second book, and it's the shortest of the Gospels. He just tells the facts. And it says, and when, when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. 
get this. People, you know, whenever you see the movies and you see an actual dove, that's not really what that is. It's, it's talking about the spirit descended on him like a dove. Okay, it wasn't an actual physical dove because that would have been weird. Can you imagine Jesus walking around with this dove on his head? But the spirit came down like a dove. It gently came over him. And a voice came, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And it says, the spirit immediately, there's that word again, drove him out into the wilderness. This word means like he was thrust into the wilderness. Okay, so here John is, this voice crying in the wilderness. And now when Jesus comes to set the example by being baptized, he is driven, he's thrust into the wilderness. And it says, he was in the wilderness 40 days. 40 days is always significant. The, The number 40 is very significant in the Bible. I can't go into it now, but but be watching for it. So it's, he was there for 40 days being tempted by Satan. 40 days. Think about this. That's more than a month. It's almost a month and a half. Just constant temptation. It says, and he was with the wild animals and, I love this part, what does it say? The angels were ministering to him. So God didn't leave him alone, even though he was, Satan just tempting him all over the place. It says the angels were ministering to him. So we're going to talk today about our own personal wilderness experience. What is the wilderness experience? Um, I took some pictures. I was, I went to Arizona um, to spend some time with my parents last week. And um, my father and I, uh, he's, he has dementia. And so um, I'm trying to you know, absorb as, as much of him as I can. And, um, and we went driving and we drove in the Tonto National Forest, which is in Apache Junction, Arizona. And you drive up into the desolation and the wilderness. And that's really what the word wilderness means. It's like, like sometimes the Bible refers to it as a desert. Sometimes it's called the wasteland. Um, but this was the Tonto National Forest, and so I'm going to have some pictures, uh, yeah, like, like this one. Um, so we're going to talk about what the wilderness experience is, how to survive the wilderness experience, and not only how to survive, but how to thrive in the midst of the wilderness experience. We're going to talk about being a voice in the wilderness, and then we're going to praise God and break break some chains today. And I'm going to give you the password. You know, when you go into your uh, computer or you go to some certain website, for those of you who, you who use technology, and you go and, it's, and it says enter password, you enter what you think it is and it's like, or it says no. That feeling of just like, oh, I can't figure out the password. Today, I'm going to give you the password for thriving in the wilderness. There's a word, and it is the password. So don't fall asleep. Um, it's, we're going we're gonna to talk about how to make our experience, not just how to survive through the wilderness, but how to actually benefit and, and how to profit and how to grow closer in our relationship with the Lord. So again, what is the wilderness? This is wilderness. Look at this. You would not want to go out into that wilderness without being prepared. Again, the wilderness is a desert, wasteland, a solitary place, a lonely place. That's when the Bible talks about wilderness or desert, that's what it's talking about. It's a place of isolation. It's a place of danger, fear, loneliness, confusion oftentimes, and temptation. You're tempted to do the wrong thing sometimes. Um, I, I did a study on, um, on dangers of, li- of the wilderness because I thought, well, let's, let's really delve into this and see what it is. And so there are, there are eight of them that I'm going to talk about today. The first one, and the main reason that most people die when they get stuck out in the wilderness is they die of what? Thirst. Thirst. Yep. Second one is hunger. Third one is diarrhea. Fourth one is extreme cold or storms. Fifth one is infections. Sixth one is rock falls, avalanches, or landslides. Seventh one is dangerous animals. And the eighth one is human stupidity. (laughs) Doing things that they would never recommend in the book. So why 
would the Lord, first of all, why would he bring John into the wilderness? I mean, wouldn't it make a lot more sense if he brought him into the metropolis or brought him into a city? Why would John be out in the wilderness? And why did he thrust Jesus into the wilderness? I mean, in our minds, doesn't it make more sense that he's baptized, he's, he's baptized by John. God says, this is my beloved son. I love him. I'm pleased with him. Wouldn't it make sense to us <clears throat> at that point to send Jesus where the people are? Doesn't that make more sense to us? To you? Is it just me? It, may, it, it makes no sense in our human estimation, but our God is a great God and he will show us how and show us why. And it says in Deuteronomy 8.2, <clears throat> I remember when I first became a Christian and you know, when you're a baby Christian, it's like God shows you all kinds of miracles and your eyes are open to all kinds of spiritual things because the pendulum for me swung really far over, you know, from very, very worldly to, ah, she knows Jesus. And everything changed for me. I mean, it was like, it literally was like I had been healed of blindness and I started to see things spiritually. And when you're a new Christian, a lot of times that's, that's your experience. It's so sweet. It's, it's such a beautiful opportunity to grow closer to the Lord. But then, like, I don't know if it was a, a couple years in, then I went through a season which all believers go through and it was a season of the wilderness, it was a season where I wasn't sensing God's spirit. I wasn't really getting anything out of the Bible when I'd read it. I just was, you know, it just was like, where have you gone? I mean, I really questioned my faith at that point. It was like, I don't understand. I used to hear his voice so clearly. And every time I read the Bible, I'd gain something out of it. That's what, what the desert is spiritually speaking, and whether we like it or not, the Lord will thrust us into the wilderness at times. Sometimes we thrust ourselves. Sometimes our own sin will thrust us into a wilderness too, but God is always there for us. And you know, no matter how far you walk off that path, I'm sorry, I'm going out of the view of the lights. No matter how far you go off the path, into the darkness, no, far, no matter how far you go, it's only one step back to repentance, to forgiveness, to reconciliation with God, no matter where you go. I'm, that was not one step. I, I was going to try to use my superpowers and leap back, but they're not working today. So Deuteronomy 8, this is, this is what the Lord showed me in that season of the wilderness. Um, it says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these, again, 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character, to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. The Lord will at times allow us to go into the desert to humble us and to test us. Sometimes he will let us, he, never, he will never turn away from us. He will never turn his back on us. If you have received the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offered on the cross, he will never turn his back on you. But at times he might step back a little bit. He's still there, but he wants to humble us and to test us. Because I'll tell you, when you're in that wilderness and you're used to, every time you read the Bible, you get so much out of it and you sense his presence and you sense his love. And then all of a sudden it's like nothing. It's like the three dots when you text someone. Just sitting there. You check, am I connected? <laughs> Isn't that what that feeling is like? You're in the wilderness. You're like, Lord, I just, I just sent you a text. Aren't you going to reply? I know you got it. <laughs> See the dots. <laughs> I know you got it, Lord. Sometimes he humbles us. Sometimes he does. He, he does that. Not because he's like, you know, he's angry at you or ticked or just annoyed with you. It's so that you, you're, you can be strengthened in your faith. Because remember, we walk by faith and not by, yeah. So, God will humble us and test us. Okay, so surviving in the wilderness. 
So we saw all of these um, dangers, these dangers that can happen. And there are always, you know, there are always um, spiritual parallels to physical, to physical things. And, you know, you can see some of the spiritual parallels of being in the wilderness with imagining that, you, you know, you see all these shows about the mountain men or the, you know, the, the people that get lost in the desert or they get lost in the wilderness. The, the four things that will help you survive not only physically, but also spiritually, are preparation, okay? Preparation, first and foremost, recognize you will go into the wilderness. That is a part of it. God will give you everything you need, but you will go through seasons of wilderness. Priscilla Shire called it the Gethsemane. We will go through trials. We will go through hardships. We will go through seasons where we don't sense God's presence. When you read the Bible, it's just, you're just reading words. Keep doing it though. Keep reading it. I remember my uh, pastor Jack Hayford used to say, you know, there are those times where you sit down and you have a, a, a five-star meal and you just enjoy every bite and you sit there for four hours and just savor it, right? And then you have other times you go through the drive-thru, you slam something down your throat and you're, you don't even remember, right? Same thing with the word of God. And I'm not saying go through the drive-thru. You know what I'm saying. Keep reading the word, whether you're getting something out of it or not, because it's continuing to feed your spirit. Because it is living and active, whether you're sensing it or not. So you have to be prepared and realize, you know what, Lord? I know wilderness is just a part of the Christian life. It's part of life in general. You know, whether you know the Lord or not, you're going to go through hardships. Jesus said, in this world you will have, but do what? Take heart because he's overcome the world. You will have trials. You will go through the wilderness. You will have hardships. Be prepared. Don't be surprised at the painful trials you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. It's part of life, okay? So be prepared. Recognize it. When it happens, say, you know what? I'm in a bit of a wilderness season right now. Don't get mad. Just say, this is a part of it. This is part of the process. Okay, the second thing is to prioritize, to focus. You know, Physically, you have to prioritize. You have to think, okay, what's the most important thing I need to do now to get out of this wilderness or to, to survive this wilderness? You have to focus. You have to be alert. And that's what the Lord tells us in the word. Be alert because the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour those that he could. He could, the ones that are, that are you know, maybe you're in the wilderness and you're just, oh, so mad at God. I'm so mad at God. I, I, I prayed these things and he didn't answer me. Or I prayed these things and he did just the opposite. Or, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. You know? Those things, those are the times when a lot of people, when they go through the wilderness, that's when people fall away. How many people fall away when they're in the middle of being blessed and prospering in the, in the spirit? Why? It's the testing and the humbling. That's what the Lord is doing here. Okay, so um, the third thing, so the first thing is preparation. Second thing is prioritizing. The third thing is perspective. It's your attitude in going through it. Because I hate to say this, but grumbling and complaining will never change God's mind. You ever notice that? Try to grumble and complain and just tell him all the reasons why he's doing the wrong thing. That is never going to change God's mind. It's your attitude. I always say, you can't change the past. That's already happened. You, you have no control over the future. Sorry to break it to you, control freaks. You don't have any control over the future. The only thing you can control is your attitude right this minute. That's the only control we have, is our attitude. And I love when John Maxwell says, if you get into an airplane, if the nose of the airplane is going up, guess where the airplane's going to go? If the nose of the airplane is going down, what's going to happen? Same thing with your attitude. If you wake up in the morning, Lord, I give myself to you. I thank you for another day. I thank you for the breath in my lungs. I thank you that you've given me the opportunity to honor you today. I offer myself to you. How long did that take? 15 seconds? And just, Lord, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will choose to be glad no matter what my circumstances. And, and trust me, right after my husband died, I was grieving. 
But that was my attitude. Lord, I am going to choose today to honor you. I am going to choose today to trust you and to believe in you. And I wanted the nose of that airplane to go up. And trust me, it was a stretch. It was hard to be thankful. It was hard for me to praise God. I was brokenhearted. But the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Amen? So, the last thing is, so we have what? What's the first one? Prepare prioritize perspective. And the last one is perseverance. Now, this is where a lot of people fall off the wagon. It's the perseverance. You know, when we read in James, you know, when you suffer and you go through trials and it says, perseverance must complete its work that you may be made mature, complete, not lacking anything. We just kind of gloss over that word perseverance. We don't remember that that word means long suffering. (laughs) It doesn't say short suffering, long suffering, persevering, continuing to trust, continuing to believe, continuing to offer yourself to God, no matter what, continuing to worship him. And so thriving in the wilderness experience. Oh, I wanted to tell you about a movie that, that um, a friend of mine and I saw. It was um, called The Arctic. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it. I think it was I think it was filmed in Iceland or something. This guy crashes in the middle of the wilderness and and watching him try to uh, survive, merely surviving was just, I mean, it was an intense movie. It was, it was really intense watching all the things he went through, but seeing the human spirit and seeing that, that will to get through it, that's the same will we need to have when we're in the wilderness. It's like, Lord, I know I'm going through a hard time now. Lord, I know right now I'm not hearing your voice. Lord, I know that you didn't answer my prayer the way, the way I wanted to, but I still praise you, God. I still trust you. You are still good, no matter how my circumstances look right now. So to thrive in the wilderness experience, we have to trust him. We have to accept, okay, I'm in the wilderness, and we have to wait on him. Again, waiting doesn't mean passivity. It doesn't mean laziness. It doesn't mean being slothful. It means intently waiting, like a cat waiting for a mouse to come out of that little hole. You know, like every little muscle in their body is tense. That's the waiting. It's waiting on the Lord. Waiting. I always use this example. Like when I was a waitress, I would go to the table and I would stand and I would wait for them to give the order. Are you one of those people that never, that can never decide or that you, um, I I, I am that person. And I always feel so badly because I know what it's like to be standing there like, are you kidding me? just, I gave you the menu five minutes ago, but I always get like involved in conversation. But when you're sitting in a restaurant and the waitress or waiter comes up and they stand and they wait. And if you take too long, they don't go, okay, fine. I'm just going to get you a cheeseburger. (laughs) Right? That there, there would go their tip. And so they stand and wait. That's the kind of waiting that we're called to do when we're in the wilderness, waiting on the Lord, waiting to hear his voice, waiting for him to take us through, but trusting him in the midst of it, that he is not going to leave us. He is not going to forsake us. He is not going to reject us. He is not going to turn his back on us. He is going to be there waiting on us as we wait on him, he's waiting to, to see if we are humbled, to see if we pass the test, if we're going to continue to praise him and continue to trust him and continue to believe his word despite our circumstances. Am I making this point? <laughs> okay. Um, Isaiah thirty fifteen. This was a really pivotal scripture in my life. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. It is only in returning to me or repenting which means to change your mind. It is only in returning to me and resting in me, you will be saved. In quietness, doesn't mean silence, like not talking quiet. It means at peace, quietness. Quietness and confidence or faith is your strength. 
but you would have none of it. The wilderness, you know, they, they talk about if you're having a problem with insomnia, if you go into the wilderness, your, your whole circadian rhythms, rhythms can, be, can be reset by unplugging and going out into the wilderness. And sometimes, I, I know I'm speaking prophetically now to somebody here, you're working and working and working and working and working and working and you're getting resentful. And I'm talking about serving the Lord. So this is for those of you who you're, you're working so much, but you're not being like Mary. You're not sitting at his feet waiting on him. You just went into the kitchen and made a ham sandwich or something. You know, that's that's what you're doing, and that's why you're not finding joy in the service, in serving him, in serving the Lord. He's saying, wait on me. Trust in me. I'm doing a good thing in you. He is good, and he wants us to quiet our souls and to have our spiritual circadian rhythms reset by being in the wilderness to change our perspective, to quiet our souls and to listen and to wait on him. It says in Mark 1, 9, it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. Now this, is, this answers all of our questions. This is the human condition. If you ever wonder if God is good, or you ever wonder if God loves you. This is what he's saying to his son. But when we receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, God sees us as perfect as Jesus. He doesn't look at us and go, oh, that guy's a loser. He doesn't say, oh, that she's greedy. He doesn't. Or he doesn't say, oh, that guy doesn't have faith. God is not disgusted with you. In the same way that when he looked at his son and said, you are my beloved son. He's saying that to you too. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. In you, I am well pleased. I accept you because you've accepted the sacrifice that Jesus offered on the cross. Not because you worked your way up or you did everything right and you were perfect, but because of what Jesus Christ did. And it says, with you I am well pleased. I love you. He said that to Jesus, but he sees us in the same way. He loves us. And that's where our motivation comes from. Because if we're in the wilderness and we don't believe God loves us, it is going to be very hard to thrive, much less even survive. Okay, Mark 1.12, um, this is again talking about immediately the spirit drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. We will be tempted. And what, what are we going to be tempted? Not just the obvious things, not just porn on the internet or um, cheating on our taxes or having an affair or whatever, all these things. We will be tempted in those ways too, of course. That's kind of a no-brainer. But we will be tempted to doubt God, which I think leads to, to us giving in to the temptation of all those other things. And so we will be tempted. We'll be tempted. Here's the number one temptation that I think happens when we're in the wilderness is self-pity. Oh, poor me. Listen, self-pity is a, is, is a shabby counselor. You guys thought I was going somewhere else, but I didn't. <laughs> it is. Self-pity is a terrible, terrible counselor. Self-pity will make you shrink back from relationships. It'll make you shrink back from your relationship with the Lord. It will tell you to go all kinds of places you don't want to go. Self-pity is a terrible, terrible spirit. And it is a spirit that sits there and just I'm not saying you can be possessed. I'm saying it's a, it's a spirit that can come and try to tempt you. The number one way to overcome self-pity is through losing your life for the sake of others, serving others, getting your attention off yourself. Because self, any, pretty much anything that starts with the word self, it's not going to be good, except 
self-discipline and self-control. But most other selves are negative, get you to focus on you. This is, we're going to be tempted to become angry. We're going to be tempted to become bitter. We're going to be tempted to become prideful and just think, I know more than God. He clearly doesn't see what's happening to me right now. We would never actually say that, but sometimes that's how we think. We could become cynical or we could become lazy or we could become really worldly and just decide, okay, fine. If God's not going to answer my prayers, I'm just going to, I'm going to live for the world. Again, it's in the wilderness that people fall away. We, could, we can be tempted to doubt the goodness of God. And that is a sad, sad thing because like that song we, we sing, the king of my heart, he is good, good. Or we could be tempted to just quit, throw in the towel. Isaiah 43, 19, and I believe, I know if you've been a Christian longer than 10 minutes, you've probably heard the scripture, but I want to say, I believe this is a word for the adventure, for the family right now. I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the what? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the desert. What? Rivers in the desert. That's a miracle. He's going to do things that we could not fathom. We could not imagine. God is going to come and he is going to make rivers of living water in a desert. And what is the password? Plug in the password. The password is... P-R-A-I-S-E. That is how you thrive in the desert. You continue to give him thanks. You continue to be grateful. You continue to glorify his name. Even when, like when I was a grieving widow, even when it took everything within me to thank God and to praise him. In my storm. So I'm not just standing up here telling you to do something that I haven't already struggled through. I'm telling you this because it's possible. It's possible. I understand the wilderness is painful and it hurts. But you can do it. You can still praise him even in the midst of the storm. Remember the song by Matt Redman um, years ago, my daughter had a really severe concussion when she was four, and that's when this song first came out. It says, Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Even though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Psalm 34, 1. I will praise the Lord when I feel like it and everything's going my way. <laughs> That's the street Bible. I will praise the Lord when? When? His, I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me and he freed me from all my fears. Woo! I prayed to the Lord. I thanked God. I praised him and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame can darken their faces. Remember, Jesus died not just for your sins, but he died for your shame. When the devil starts t trying to remind you of all the things you did, you remember that saying, you, it, the saying says, when Satan tries to remind you of your past, just remind him of his future, right? He died for our shame and, and no shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, in my wilderness, in my desert, in my wasteland, in my isolation and my loneliness and my brokenness, I prayed and the Lord listened and he saved me from all my, what? Troubles. Is it not up there? For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste. 
and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will what? Lack no good thing. Those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. And here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Again, you know, Jesus didn't just save you just to make your life cushy. Okay? He saved you or he wants to save you if you don't know him yet because he wants a relationship and he wants us to become everything he's created us to be. That is why this church exists. To help people learn to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and to learn to love other people. And one of the ways we feel that it is best to, to love people is to help them discover who God created them to be. So we need to be a voice in the wilderness. I've been sharing the gospel more in the last month than I had for a long time. I've had so many opportunities. I've been inviting the Holy Spirit, send me hungry people, send me hungry people. I will be bold because Paul said, help me to preach the gospel boldly as I ought to. And that's what we're all called to, whether we're gifted as evangelists or not, we're all called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Mark 1, again, It says, as is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare the way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. We need to be that voice. And and I want to say this and I want to be gracious in saying this, but it's not enough to just be nice. Okay? We boldly proclaim the good news as we ought to. We boldly share. When, and it says, it says that in 1 Peter 3, it says, in your hearts, honor Christ as a Lord, Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. It says, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Okay? This is what we're called to. Be ready. Be able to share your story in less than three minutes. People, you ask people, say, hey, can I tell you something that really changed my life? And share the good news, but share about the cross, okay? Don't just tell them a story about how um, God got you a new car or something. Eric used to always say that. That's not the gospel, Yes, God is faithful. Yes, God provides for all of our needs. Yes, he's generous. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins so we could be reconciled with our maker and that we could live eternally in heaven. Because you guys, Jesus is coming back. And if you don't weep for the lost, I just ask you, start to cry out and ask the Lord to break your heart. Break your heart because what's going on behind those doors, no matter how they look on the outside, what's going on behind those doors in the homes of your neighbors is death and destruction and pain, okay? No matter how they look and they're waving and everything's fine, no. If they don't know Jesus, they, they are going through something and not only that, but they are, they are headed for hell, Okay, and Jesus came to offer us the hope that we could know him. And we're going to, on, on Friday night, this coming Friday night, we're going to um, have a little potluck, and then we're going to go, and we're going to take, we're, we actually have some door hangers. We're going to canvas these neighborhoods, and we're going to pray, because none of this is going to happen without praying. But we are going to pray for the people of our city. We are going to cry out, on the name of the Lord, praying for God to begin to stir in their hearts and to cause a hunger and a thirst for his righteousness. And we're going to pray. And if, and if we get the opportunity to pray with people, we will, but we're just going to be praying and we're going to be leaving these invitations and take, take these, you know, invite somebody, ask the Holy Spirit to show you, who am I supposed to invite to our Easter service? Ask the Lord to show you Jesus is with us. He is ministering to us. We are not alone, even when we're going through hard times and and painful things. And the thing is that in, in those dangers, in the wilderness, with our thirst, Jesus is a living water. With our hunger, he is the bread of life. For our diarrhea, he's the deliverer. He wants to 
deliver us and set us free for the extreme cold or the, the harsh, harsh conditions. He is our protector for the infections. He's our healer for the rock falls and avalanches and landslide. He is the one who will be with us through the fire, through the waters. They will not wash over us. And for the dangerous animals, the demonic attacks, the things that the enemy sets against us, the Lord has given us authority over the demons It says that in the name of Jesus, the demons will flee, okay? And even our own stupidity, God gives us grace. Even when we make mistakes, aren't you so glad that he's not a God that says, oh, I'm sorry, you've reached your limit. I'm out. Aren't you so thankful? He forgives over and over and over, and that is his grace. So let me ask you, in the midst of, if if you're in a wilderness experience, and if you're not in a wilderness experience, you will be in a wilderness experience at some point. Do you want to survive, just barely get through, or do you want to thrive in the midst of it? Do you want to thrive? Do you want to grow and change and benefit from everything God has for you in the midst of your wilderness as he humbles you and tests you? Because it's possible through praising him, through continuing to praise even when you don't feel like it. Let me tell you this. Those times when you don't feel like it are the times you should praise more. Those are the times it's a sacrifice of praise. I mean, sometimes I sit in my prayer chair when I am just so broken and so sad and so uh, just, I'm not hopeless, but just devastated. I just start singing and it sounds terrible because it's through tears a lot of times. A lot of times I can't even croak it out. It's in those moments when you least feel like praising So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. And as they do that, I just want to ask you guys this. Are you you in the wilderness right now? And if you are, are you fighting to leave? Are you trying your hardest to get out of it? Or are you waiting and trusting the Lord? Is your experience a positive one or is it a negative one? I know it's hard when when you feel like God has stepped back from you. I know that's painful. Are you inviting the Lord into your experience? Are you saying, Lord, I know, I know I'm in this wilderness right now, but I am going to continue to serve you and to honor you and to believe in you even when I don't see because I walk by faith. That's part of walking by faith is even when you don't feel him or sense his presence, you continue to praise. Are you praising him in the midst of your wilderness? Are you offering yourself to him every day as a living sacrifice? And are you a voice in the wilderness of your neighbors and your coworkers and your family? Are you a voice in the wilderness? Or are you a clanging symbol? Are you somebody that's offering them the good news? Are you bringing it in their face? The good news of Jesus Christ that they can be reconciled with their maker? Are you preparing the way for the Lord to come in? Because trust me, God wants to use this church, this family to see people brought into his kingdom. That's the reason he doesn't just save you and bring you to heaven. He wants his kingdom to expand and he wants to use the adventure church. He wants to use us. He wants to see this city and this state one for the cause of Christ. Amen. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to praise him even in the midst of the storm, even in your unbelief?